Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a new edition of The Sea Report coming to you live on this Friday afternoon. That is right, we are Friday, November 26th, 2021. I hope everyone is doing well out there and having a great Friday. It's Friday, guys. Time to be thankful, time to be happy. What is it? Uh, is, is today not the traditional... Black Friday, right? Is that what they call it? Is that racist to say it's called Black Friday? I'm not sure anymore. But uh, perhaps most of our people and our friends out there are enjoying the holiday shopping season, or perhaps not. <laughs> perhaps no one is out there doing any kind of shopping, unless you're looting and vandalizing, you know, all types of uh, racks and uh, rifles out there. Of course, we don't even know what we're talking about here at Sea Report, but uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're doing an early live edition of the Sea Report today, and uh, I thank you all for joining us. We are coming to you guys live across all platforms at the moment. Uh, let's see, what do we got? We got uh, live over at the foxhole.appill.net. We're live over at Twitch. We're live over at ScrewTube, DLive, CloutHub, and Trobo. So if uh, any of you guys happen to catch this live broadcast, Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'll say it again, thrice welcome. Uh, we aren't usually live this early. You know, I've been trying to kind of figure some things out over the past couple of weeks. And uh, I don't know, I have this real inkling to make something called a roving type of uh, broadcast. And we'll see if we get around to doing that or not. Uh, but everything is still pretty much up in the air. Uh, but for a fact, just so you guys know, we are broadcasting live right now, 1.30 p.m. Central Time. Incidentally enough, we probably will not have a C-Report at 7, 7.30 p.m. Central Time. Of course, if you're catching us live on the podcast, you might get this broadcast a little earlier than you're used to. And uh, that's all good with us. So... What do we got for you guys today? We got a couple of new stories today. What we're really going to do on the Sea Report is we're going to take a little bit of a moment to focus in on uh, what is otherwise uh, most beautifully referred to as the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy media, and their propaganda lies. So uh, this might be a story you've heard a thousand times before. It might be a story that you're a little bit familiar with, particularly if you are awake, aware, and conscience cognizant of the propaganda lies that the mainstream media puts out there for all of us to uh, um, uh, suss into, I guess you could say. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're going to we're gonna just take a little bit of an examination. Um, just as a fun way of saying, uh, some, uh, some of today's stories Let's see, where do today's stories come from, guys? As you all know, I don't make this stuff up myself. I share with you uh, the headlines, the bylines, the stories that everyone puts out there. Uh, today's, uh, today's stories for the 201st episode of The Sea Report are brought to you by CNN, The New York Post, Town Hall, The Intercept, The Washington Examiner, the 19th, and Breitbart. Now, immediately right away, as an America First program, right? America First broadcast here at the Sea Report, you might be saying, like, some of your stories are brought to you by CNN. 
some of the stories are brought to you by Town Hall. What are we talking about here, Mr. C? Well, ladies and gentlemen, all I can say is uh, sometimes you have to peer into that dark chasm, into that void of propaganda and misinformation to kind of get the story, to kind of telegraph where your enemies are. And in that regard, I would say absolutely. We're going to look at CNN today, guys. And an article that they put out most recently having to do with the uh, Steele dossier. Okay. The Steele dossier, the uh, Durham report, everything that's coming out in conjunction with that and how they're handling it. Because we know exactly how CNN and MSDNC and others in the uh, venue of the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy media handled those stories and the way that they um, propagated and propped up all of this misinformation, propaganda, and lies, all of this wrap-up smear campaign type of provocations to the American people. And we know for a fact that they pushed it like it was the word of God, as if though Moses had come down from that mountaintop and he had chiseled into stone beyond a shadow of a doubt that President Trump was guilty of association with the Russians, that he had colluded with the Russians beyond a shadow of a doubt, and that he was an agent of one President Vladimir Putin, and that this Russian scum was now going to rule over the American people by proxy of their puppet, one President Donald Trump. Well, we know that the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy media ran away with this. We know that they uh, took it to levels of belief that could not be ignored by any dull-minded American citizen. And with that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we know that through the indictments and the uh, grand jury evidence that has been presented by one John Durham, that uh, that entire narrative has fallen apart. In fact, everything that's happened with John Durham has not only uh, fortified that that narrative was false, inaccurate, and phony, fake. Um, but we even had uh, people of their own ilk, people who were closely associated with those individuals, such as um, uh, such such as uh, such as all of the reports that were coming out from Mueller. That is right. One Mueller report that showed that the Russian collusion narrative was in fact false; that Trump had nothing to do with it. So when we're thinking about all of this history that is so egregiously being tried to be memory hold by the mainstream, lamestream, fake news media, we're going to look at one of their articles. We're going to look at CNN because apparently they've had their day of reckoning with this entire, um, this entire Russia collusion and uh, steel dossier investigation. Apparently they've had their reckoning. But apparently not. And we'll get into that shortly. That'll be at the head of our report today. And then just, you know, based off of that, we'll have a beautiful segue into some of the other media lies. And we'll take a look. We'll take an examination at an organization that is anti-American because it's anti-Trump. 
But that's not to say that, you know, we here over at the Sea Report are, oh, uh, cult of uh, cult of enthusiasts, right? Uh, and cult of personality with President Trump. If President Trump's got something up his sleeve that is not good, if the man did something untoward in America, yeah, we would definitely call him out. So, you know, I just want to make sure that people don't get that kind of confusion going on over here. Even though we do speak relatively highly of the man and the administration, as always, we are uh, Trump supporters here. Does that mean that we're uh, QAnon supporters? Now, that's another question to come up. In fact, you know, um, we don't do much social media over here at the Sea Report, uh, but uh, recently decided to enter into the battlefield, as it were, over at the Twitter streams. It's a waste of time, really, if you think about it. I mean, Mr. C, think about it. It's a waste of time to even be on there, to even uh, try and express your ideas, try and share. But the point of the matter is to keep on sharing the truth, to keep on spreading that truth. And so that is mainly the point. But, you know, uh, we recently got called out for being QAnon supporters over there at the Twitter streams. It really means nothing. It's about the equivalent of sitting on the pot and wiping your butt when you're talking about Twitter, right? But nevertheless, in, in, our, in our own defense, yeah, we are not QAnon supporters here at the Sea Report because, after all, there is a difference between Q and there is a difference between Anon and QAnon. Big difference. And I'm sure a lot of people out there understand that difference who are in the know. But anyways, I thought it was kind of funny and I just thought I'd mention that here. Not worth mentioning uh, the individual out there who's trying to peg all of that on us. But uh, it's interesting how uh, uh, even people out there whether they're, uh, you know, the mainstream, mainstream fake news, legacy media, or they're just, you know, little uh, dull-minded provocateurs, try to uh, plant those seeds of doubt in anyone who questions the mainstream, mainstream fake news, legacy media's narrative, uh, because their narrative is God, right? It's interesting how they try and plant those seeds of doubt any way that they can. You know, and uh, the QAnon thing, you know, to me, that's totally different from the Q thing. You know, there's a difference between Q and there's a difference between QAnon. Okay, I have nothing to do with the QAnon guys. All right, because um, I'm not anonymous after all. And uh, Q is uh, totally different when we're talking about that kind of thing. So, uh, well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, we do have a uh, Trump statement to lead off this foray today into the... Uh, uh, propaganda of the fake news, the propaganda of the, you know, the uh, mainstream, mainstream fake news, legacy media. Yeah, uh, because we always have a Trump statement here to lead off the show, at least here at the Sea Report. And so we'll do again. So today we only have one statement to share with you guys. Uh, there are several statements. And in fact, here at the Sea Report, because we've been off the air for about two weeks, we've got a backlog of Trump statements and we've got a backlog of Trump interviews that we could share with you guys. But I'm sure most of you all seen them. Uh, we've had a Trump interview with uh, Mark Levin. We've had a Trump interview with Sean Hannity. Uh, we've had a Trump. We've had at least two or three other Trump interviews. We're not going to be sharing with you guys today. 
but you know, we like to archive them, you know, but then at the same time, we got little, uh, we got, we got little rivalries within like the, the, the Patriot movement, which makes no sense. Absolutely. To me whatsoever, why people in the America first Trump Patriot movement, whatever you want to call it, have rivalries with each other. I don't get that. I don't understand it. You know, for example, we hear the sea report, we're not here in competition with anyone. I'm not here to compete with anyone or to vie for a popular place. But it seems that amongst you people out there who uh, talk about patriotism and love for America and President Trump this and President Trump that and America first this, America first that and anti-CV19 this and anti-CV19 that, that you guys are competing with each other. And you know, it just disgusts me. I'm tired of that. I don't see any room for any of that kind of bullshit when we're talking about America and just trying to say, can we save our country first before you try and capitalize on this movement is all I'm kind of trying to say, you know, like it's BS when you think about it, that people even have rivalries within this movement is BS. And I would say within the last month to a month and a half, I've been exposed to that vein, to that cord of, of discordance within this movement that more so than I have at any point in my life. And I can't believe it exists, quite frankly, because I'm not part of that poo-poo platter of individuals who are trying to, uh, I don't know what the hell they're trying to do, um, but uh, it shouldn't exist, guys. It shouldn't exist between any of us out there who are here to defend our republic, who are here to restore our republic. This crap should not exist. We should not be fighting with each other. There should not be infighting. There should not be people hating on each other or dissing each other's methods of uh, of, of, uh, of, of, of getting that information out there. It makes no sense. Like, why are we fighting with each other? We have a common enemy. You know, we have, we, we stand on common ground here. We stand on the love of our country. So why in the hell are we infighting with each other? Why in the hell do we care who gets the information out there first? The importance is getting the information out there. Why are we fighting with each other over who does this and who does that? And who's doing more than the other and who's doing less and who's a provocateur and who's this and who's and this isn't, doesn't even matter. We should not even be focusing on that if we are genuinely concerned with restoring our republic and getting ourselves back to the place that we need to be, okay? Can we at least save our country and our republic before we get all this infighting minutia under our belts and out there into the air is all I'm trying to say. Like, what, what is the point of all of this? Okay, what is the point of everyone needing to uh, stroke their egos, okay, and, and, and get their own uh, self personification and image out there? It makes no sense, okay? It makes no sense, you know, to me, to any of you guys who participate in any of that bullshit, it makes no sense. You should be ashamed of yourselves. Uh, but in lieu of that... I still also support all of you guys for getting the truth out there, which is a contradiction in terms, I know, and I'm probably digging my own grave here, but it's okay. We're independent over here at the Sea Report. We're not part of the club. We're not part of any club over here, okay? We're able to do what we do because uh, people believe in, in, in the message and they've given us that opportunity. And for that, I'm grateful. But at the same time, because like I said, we're on, we're, we're on about, seven or eight different platforms right now, not just one or two. We're on about seven or eight different platforms right now. 
So with that said, I'm grateful for that ability and I'm grateful for any type of engagement. But really, guys, we don't need to be any less than the mainstream, mainstream, fake news media guys. And we've seen how these guys propagate their stories. You guys have seen those videos out there where they're like, uh, they're those chameleon videos, those videos where like every single newscast right down to the locals, they're like repeating the same talking points, right? We don't need to be doing that bullshit, right? We don't need to be doing that. We should be independently minded, okay? We don't need to be a poo-poo platter, you know, of the same message to try and stoke same types of propaganda is kind of kind of what I'm saying right here. Because we all have that knowledge and we all have that love for our country, guys. And I'm not, I am not by any means, um, um, <laughs> I'm not by any means criticizing or scolding anyone in the Patriot movement. By all, at any means, no. But all I would say is you want to talk about a singularity. You want to talk about unification. We are so strong individually. Imagine how much stronger we would be collectively. And I don't mean collectively in the communist term, but if all of us came together, that would be an amazing feat. Now, is Mr. C getting into utopian types of uh, of uh, parallels here? Maybe. It's quite possible that I am, you know. Maybe, maybe I just have more hope in humanity and more faith in that than, you know, I should. But um, really, guys, Really, I mean, uh, we are such a beautiful, we are such a beautiful subsect of humanity together in this country. You know, if we really pull together, there's no telling what we could do. But guys, I have gotten way off the topic at hand here. Let me just say uh, real quick, uh, Doreen Merck, good evening, good, well, good afternoon, actually. Thank you for gifting the can donations coming over to the C report over here from uh, pill.net and the foxhole.app. Much appreciated. It's good to see you, Doreen Merck. We haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen you in quite a while. Uh, Doreen Merck says, I think trolls start trouble. Just ignore the madness. Oh, absolutely. You know, the Doreen Merck, they say, don't feed the trolls. Well, if anyone was watching today's broadcast from the start, you'd be like, Mr. C has a bunch of invisible trolls because we don't know what the heck he's going off on. But um, indeed, thank you so much for your support. And I would say before we jump into the rest of today's show, uh, check us out over at the podcast. Um, we got a lot of viewers, guys, on different platforms. Uh, if you'd like to check out any of our replays, uh, if you know any of our reruns, you know, uh, definitely there are venues for that uh, over here at the Sea Report. Um, if you go to the podcast, though, anchor.fm slash the Sea Report, you'll catch it in your ears audibly. Of course, you won't get the uh, you won't get the privilege, misprivilege, under I don't know. I don't even think it's a privilege. We live stream, we podcast here at the Sea Report. All of our episodes come out um, for you guys to check them out whenever you want. But you will always be able to catch them over at anchor.fm slash the C report or just look for the C report um, on your favorite pad- podcast platform. Any of the platforms that you like to podcast on, we're available uh, for free. 
We're always free here at the Sea Report. All we do is share the news here at the Sea Report. We don't make news. We don't break news. We share the news. Give you a little bit of perspective, my own perspective, of course. Uh, but you can catch that for sure, ladies and gentlemen, on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. It's free, of course. And, uh, you know, because we were, we've, we've been back on since Wednesday here, we took a two week break because I was ill. Okay. I was seriously ill. I'm still not out of it yet to be 100% frank with you guys, but, um, we took a two week break. We played a few reruns and stuff like that because I needed to heal. I'm a one man band here over at the sea report. Okay. I don't got anyone else but myself to support me, which is fine. I'm not crying about it you know but at the same time you know i get a little uh heady and anxiety over not being able to uh keep up and share the headlines and the news and and stuff like that since i've been doing this for almost a year every single day about six days a week almost since uh february of last year or of this year uh it'll be february of last year next year but anyways so um, I would say uh, definitely check us out at the podcast in case you want to miss it, uh, in case you don't want to miss it. Um, if you want to check out the live stream replays, though, you know, uh, there's several platforms you can check them out for at least up to two weeks. Uh, I would say Twitch, Trovo, we got our replays on there for about two weeks after, um, you know, the original air date. Uh, ScrewTube, interesting enough has become a little bit more reliable than some other platforms. Clout Hub will always have our uh, archive, our um, our replays over there. Uh, if you're over on foxhole.app and pill.net and you want to check out a replay, um, foxhole.app and pill.net has been really good about archiving all of our previous shows. So I would say check them out over there, guys. Recently, not so much. Uh, but the uh, platforms over at Pilled and Foxhole, they're growing and they're expanding and they got a lot of stuff that they're doing in the background. So uh, I'm sure that will get fixed eventually. But I would say right now, at least for this week, if you want to catch any of our replays, you won't be able to find them over there because they're currently not available. Um, but they'll probably get that fixed, of course, um, as we move along. And uh, I... I uh, I, I trust uh, that they will get fixed over there. If, if otherwise, that's why we got the uh, podcast there. You know, you can check us out when you're going to bed. Uh, you can check us out when you're too busy to uh, have uh, your eyes glued to a screen. You always got your ears, right? You're going for a jog. Get the news from the Sea Report over at a podcast. We're over at anchor.fm slash the Sea Report. Or just subscribe to us on any of your favorite podcast platforms. It's free. And anytime you listen to one of our shows, we get a little bit of, com uh, of compensation, I guess you could say uh from any of those uh, any of those platforms and that definitely helps to keep us on the air uh because like i said guys when i was going through this entire sickness uh, this illness that i've been dealing with it most definitely helped y'all's donations coming our way because this is what i do for a living at this point in my life uh, and, uh, well, that is what it is, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. But let's, uh, let's not, uh, let's not stay on that topic too much. I think that's plenty of housekeeping for today. Uh, before we get into today's show, like I said, we're going to be focusing on the propaganda of the mainstream, mainstream fake news, legacy media today. We're going to be focusing on an organization that is a big part of that. And we'll jump into that shortly. Once again, I'd like to remind you all 
that today's stories are brought to you by CNN, <laughs> the New York Post Town Hall, the Intercept, the Washington Examiner, the 19th, and Breitbart. And I'm not by any way or any means at all advertising CNN. No, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be looking at a CNN article to telegraph where this enemy is because, believe you me, when it comes to the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy media, we absolutely identify CNN, the communist news network, as an enemy of the state, an enemy of the people, and an enemy of freedom and liberty everywhere. So don't get it confused. Don't get it mixed up, ladies and gentlemen. We are not fans of CNN here at the C report. And because this question has been asked of me before, what does the C in the C report stand for? No detractors, no trolls, no you haters out there. The C report does not stand for the communist report. My last name is Casadis. The C report is exactly what that stands for, the Casadis report. And here we are, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into our first statement and our only statement that we'll be sharing today from President Trump. We'll bring that up onto the screen for you guys to see. Okay. All right. And here we go. This is dated today, November 26th from our president, Donald J. Trump. Does anybody really believe that longtime con man Bob Woodward and his lightweight lapdog assistant Robert Costa are implying in their book of fiction that I was planning to go to war with China, but that one of the dumber generals in the military called the Chinese to tell them that he will inform them if this action proceeds further? Millie may have called, but if so, he should be tried for treason. I never had even a thought of going to war with China other than the war I was winning, which was on trade. To make up stories like this and to sell it to the public is disgraceful. I watch that craggy, smug face of Woodward as he bullshits the public and said to myself, I wonder if history will really believe this stuff. How do you get your reputation back? I was the only president in decades to not get us into a war. I got us out of wars. Our country has been taken over by scammers and hoaxers, and we have to take it back. Just like the Russia, Russia, Russia scam has now been totally debunked and discredited as a fake Democrat crooked Hillary plot, the go-to-war-with-China story is even more ridiculous. It's incredible that someone is even allowed to write this stuff. We no longer talk about greatness for our country Everything is about political investigations, hoaxes, and scams. We will make America great again. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is our statement for today from President Donald Trump. And uh, there's a lot going on in that statement that we could most definitely uh, jump onto, ladies and gentlemen.
and uh, a lot of stuff that we will dissect as well. It's going to be the beautiful segue in today's topic when we're talking about the propaganda of the mainstream media, the mainstream fake news legacy media, as I like to call them, and uh, everything that they're pushing, guys. Uh, a, a lot of questionability, a lot of things just come to mind. Now, he calls conman Bob Woodward out in this statement. And of course, we're talking about Bob Woodward and uh, what was the name of his assistant here? Robert Costa. Costa. Uh, they're the ones who put out that book, Peril. Now, if you guys were with us yesterday when we were talking about uh, our topics on Bob Costa and uh, Rob, uh, I mean, sorry, Bob Woodward and Robert Costa, and we were talking about um, all the propaganda that was spilling out of that, when we're talking about how the uh, January 6th unselect committee of the false flag Capitol riots, right? And how they were calling out Bob Carrick and they subpoenaed him, sorry, Bernard Carrick, and how they subpoenaed him. Uh, based on that book written by Bob Woodward and Robert Costa called Peril, right? And uh, you got Benny Thompson over there, the good old radical communist sympathizer who wanted to uh, have at least uh, four or five states of the South secede from the United States of America and become the new Republic of Africa back in the 60s and 70s. Same guy, right? You have him uh, um, uh, issuing a subpoena against Bernie Carrick, who was not even present on that day, based on the book written by this con man that President Trump is again calling out. Not to mention he's calling out woke Victoria Milley, that is one General Milley. You guys know Victoria Milley. We've talked about Victoria here on the Sea Report before. Uh, we've shown you the pictures of his flashing nails, right? Anyways, so uh, when we're talking about that, guys, ladies and gentlemen, President Trump is bringing it out. Uh, but, but I think more importantly here, what we would like to focus on here, of course, is this entire relationship to the fake news media and how they run away with these stories that have no basis in truth or reality or in fact. They have no basis in fact. They got a lot of basis in emotion. They got a lot of basis in bias. They got a lot of basis in propaganda, okay? But they have no basis in reality or in fact, okay? And here, uh, again, President Trump does a wonderful job of calling out the lies, the propaganda that uh, uh, the media is eventually going to try and run away with, okay? Now, you could clearly imagine from this statement that the media would run away with the, the fact that President Trump was going to start a war with China, okay? And that's why we see President Trump, since the statement has come out, it's been about two months or so since Bob Woodward and his book Peril have come out and they've made these statements. Remember, we had we had General Milley going, oh, yeah, I talked to China and it's because it was my duty to tell China that if we're going to go to war with them, we'll let you know about it first. OK, treason, 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 even if President Trump had been of the mind to go to war with China, okay, even if President Trump had the intentions of going to war with China, okay, even if, and that is if, ladies and gentlemen, because we know he had no intention to, what would you say about General Milley for calling up his Chinese counterparts and saying, oh, don't worry, guy, we're going to tell you if we're going to go to war with you, okay? That is treason. 
Okay, even if it were true that President Trump had the intention of bombing the hell out of China and all those communists, um, he would have been committing treason 100% if that were true, ladies and gentlemen. So we can't let that get beside us. We have to keep uh, in mind that you can't do those kind of things. Uh, you got to be able to, uh, uh, you don't do those kinds of things. Okay. And we'll leave that there. Okay. We'll leave that there. But, um, uh, yeah, clearly all of it is, uh, as, uh, president Trump said so eloquently bullshit. Okay. Uh, it seems to be the word of the day here at the C report, pardon me. Uh, but that is just the way that it goes. Okay, so but but looking at other other aspects of today's statement from President Trump that we're sharing with you guys, he's talking about the scammers and the hoaxers that uh, predominantly brought us the Russia, Russia, Russia scam. Okay, Uh, we all know uh, for at least what two to three years that it would. Okay, let's be real. Let's be real. People here in America knew that this was a scam. People who were paying attention knew that this was a lie. We knew this from the very beginning. Okay, now everything that has come up with um, um, the John Durham investigation and all the indictments since, and we've reported on those here and we've shared that information here at the Sea Report, we know that this was all a scam. Okay, we know that this was all fake, phony, and false, as uh, some people would say in the media. Uh, But what we're going to look at now, guys, in regards to Russia, 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 and the fake news is the dealings with Christopher Steele. Okay, now we recently, as uh, the beginning of this month, we had Christopher Steele coming out in his first ever interview uh, regarding all of these allegations. Okay, and he had an interview with George Stephanopoulos of ABC News. Okay. And clearly the ABC News Network saw this as a moneymaker because they wanted this. It, it came out on Hulu. Okay. It was streamed on Hulu exclusively. So not only were they, tr- they're capitalizing on this entire lie, ladies and gentlemen. Now, Christopher Steele in the interview, he said that he believed that the tape was uh, uh, the tape of these salacious acts, the PP dossier that we're talking about, okay, could still possibly exist. And uh, that he stood by the work that he did during this investigation. It's all since come out to be a lie, of course, Lazy. It's all been discredited, all right? We got all the details, a lot of it coming out in the John Durham investigations and the indictments against Michael Sussman and the indictments uh, that came out against um, um, uh, the, 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 the uh, is it Igor Duchensky. I'm saying his last name wrong, but, uh, but let's take a quick look at that, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to take a quick look at the uh, interview. We're not going to watch all of it, but we're going to see some of it. The interview between George Stephanopoulos and Christopher Steele coming out for the first time since all of this happened. Ladies and gentlemen, let me get this on the screen for you guys. Oh, yeah. Well, there's that, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we don't need to see Crooked Hillary, right? We're, we're tired of seeing her face. Uh, notice how uh, George Stephanopoulos still, he still defends Christopher Steele and through, all, through and through in all of this. Uh, but we're going to we're going to look at a little bit of that interview, just a piece of it, where we have Christopher Steele still, S-T-I-L-L, denying 
that that the dossier and the tape of the salacious activities between President Trump and the prostitutes, they, it could still exist. Ridiculous, ladies and gentlemen, but let's take a look. How do you respond to critics who say you're doing foreign interference in an American political campaign? We were not foreign interference. The foreign interference in the American political campaign in 2016 was by the Kremlin and the Russian intelligence services. Well, you are British. You're not American. But Britain is America's closest ally. We have always had a track record of helping America. It would have been very curious if what we had chosen to do in 2016 was not to tell them. It would have been unthinkable. Fusion GPS is a corporate investigations firm created by two former reporters for the Wall Street Journal. One was Glenn Simpson. In the spring of 2016, he approached you with a job. What exactly did he ask you to look into? Two things, really. One was what the Russians were doing in terms of potential interference in the campaign, and two, what the links were between Trump and the Trump campaign in Russia. So you get this assignment, what do you do? You essentially get your network of sources to redirect themselves onto asking contacts in Russia about this issue. To ask them to look into what was being said amongst the elite in Russia and the government of the American election. Was there one key source you had for this report? There wasn't one key source, I would say. There was perhaps one key collector. What's a collector? A collector is somebody who obviously works for us directly, is paid for us directly, doesn't necessarily have direct access to information, but knows people who do. You can't name this person, but you met with this person in a European city relatively early on. Yep. What did you learn in that meeting? The contents of Report 080, I think it was, which are well known to the world. There were claims that members of the Trump campaign had coordinated with Russian officials and accepted a steady stream of information on Hillary Clinton and some of Trump's other political rivals. The first report also claims, quote, Trump's unorthodox behavior in Russia over the years had provided the authorities there with enough embarrassing material on him to be able to blackmail him if they so wished. In other words, that the FSB, the Russian security service, had compromised on Donald Trump. Basically, compromise is blackmail in Russian. This was the, I mean, for want of a better word, this is the P-tape. That's part of it, yes. What did he tell you? He relayed several sources, information, subsources, information that related to that event. In the Ritz-Carlton Hotel, Correct. 2013. Yep. It would be quite a tape if it in fact existed. We are coming on the air now with major news from the Department of Justice. Move aside, move aside. The acting attorney general, Rod Rosenstein, has decided to appoint a special counsel to investigate Russian interference in the 2016 election. The special counsel will be Robert Mueller. Christopher Steele and his work were conspicuous in their absence from the Mueller report. Along with the investigation that was done by Robert Mueller, a separate report was undertaken by Michael Horowitz, the Inspector General of the Justice Department. The Inspector General also pulled back the curtain on how Steele had gathered his information 
It doesn't name Steele's collector, but the report does describe some of his methods. And we'd later learn he was not someone well-placed in the Kremlin, but an analyst in Washington. When the FBI sought this person out and interviewed him, he said, yeah, he basically gathered some of this information, but he was almost ambivalent about how accurate it was. Some of this information, including that allegation about the salacious tape, had apparently been gathered from people who had just heard about it or talked about it in jest. One of your main collectors, he spoke to the inspector general, said that especially the compromise was word of mouth and hearsay, conversations with friends over beers. It was just talk. If you have a confidential source and that confidential source is blown or is uncovered, that confidential source will often take fright and try and downplay and underestimate what they've said and done. And I think that's probably what happened here. And today, do you still believe that that tape exists? I think it probably does, but I wouldn't put 100% certainty on it. So you stand by the dossier? I stand by the work we did, the sources that we had, and the professionalism which we applied to it. What he can't explain is why the tape has not come out, yet his answer is that the Russians haven't needed to do it because they got everything they wanted out of uh, President Trump. But, you know, that's been the heart of, this, of the criticism against Chris Steele, that he's talked about this tape. He put it in there, but it has not come out. And we just... So, yeah, that's a bunch of BS, isn't it, guys? <laughs> That is bunch of BS, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so you see, they still softball it for him. Uh, they still softball it for Christopher Steele. You got George Stephanopoulos here. Uh, don't even want to go into that. But he still softballs it for the American dull-minded individuals, right? He still says, oh, well, you know, uh, the heart of it is that, that that's still not been proven. Uh, but he stands by it. And we did, did he ask him any hardball questions? No. Didn't ask Christopher Steele anything about the indictments that John Durham had brought forward. Didn't ask him anything about all of the allegations that have now been presented um, officially to the American public. A lot of this stuff, we already knew about it, guys. We already knew that all of this stuff stood. We already knew about all of uh, all of the uh, the uh, the fakeness, the chicanery, the lies that they had been spilling about all of this. We already knew about all the connections. I mean, like I shared with you guys before, even the Epoch Times had the entire thing mapped out, the entire skeleton printed and published all the way forward to the front. Um, but still, now that this is coming out slowly to the American public, okay, it's slowly dripping out. Um, we see that uh, media organizations like ABC News are still trying to softball it. They're still trying to uh, to put a spin on it that would say that uh, everything else is um, is not what we would like to think. We saw the mainstream, mainstream fake news, legacy media just totally rail against President Trump and and present this as fact to everyone, ladies and gentlemen, to that which I would say they absolutely need to be held accountable for. But now we see that even the likes of the communist news network, CNN, they are now having their day of reckoning over the Steele dossier, of course, because they uh, probably MSNBC was worse than CNN when it came to just hammering this as being the absolute truth and that, you know, President Trump is uh, is is at his end. And, you know, he's he's seeing he's he's seeing his final days in office because of these lies. 
MSNBC was much worse than CNN, I would say. But uh, we have CNN, of course, being out there as one of the main um, propagators of these lies towards everyone, you know, as we've come to see and recognize. Now, they actually recently published an article in their politics section that addresses this, ladies and gentlemen. So we're going to share that with you guys today. That's why I said some of our news is actually coming from CNN today. We want to take a look at what they had to say. Now, this article that they had, CNN Politics, The Steel Dossier, A Reckoning, okay, makes one wonder, is this really a reckoning that they're having or what are they trying to do? You know, do they actually put it on the table that uh, they were wrong? They're going to retract it. They're going to they're going to they're going to actually apologize. You know, whatever it is that a news organization that is in the wrong should do. You know, we're going to get a little bit of that uh, of that uh, that uh, llama retracto stuff going on here like they do over at uh, Project Veritas or what? Um and then the question is, do I even need to ask that question, right? But what is most interesting in this article, as we'll go through it, they actually do, in this article, spill out a lot of the true information, but they never actually say that they made the mistake. I mean, I'm sure you guys could um, imagine that that's the way it would be. Now, we're not going to read through all of this, but we're going to read through a lot of it. Uh, just so we can take up some of the finer points. Where is the, we're going to tell it, like I said, when we go through stuff like this, we're telegraphing the enemy. Okay. We're, we're, we're getting a sense of where they are because reconnaissance and intelligence is very important when we're talking about um, um, gauging where the enemy stands. Okay. So that's why we go through these things. That's why we look at their reports sometimes because we want to see where their train of thought is. We want to see where their trajectory is. We want to see where they're projecting. We want to see where they're going with this. What is, what is the narrative that they are trying to spin out of all of this? Okay. Because at this point they've got to do damage control. Okay. When they lied to a nation, when they divided a nation, when they polarized two sides of a coin, right? And they got everyone fighting and they willfully and knowingly attempted to take down an administration that was dualfully, dually elected. What kind of damage control are these guys trying to do? They're trying to get out of being held accountable. And that is what I'm talking about here. So the Steel Dossier, A Reckoning, published on the 18th of this month, uh, it begins this way. When it came to light in January 2017, just days before Donald Trump took office, the so-called steel dossier landed like a bombshell and sent shockwaves around the world with its salacious allegations about Trump and his supposed ties to Russia. The central allegations that Trump conspired with the Kremlin to win the 2016 election and that Russia had compromising information on him were given a veneer of credibility because they originated from a retired British spy, Christopher Steele, who had solid a had a solid reputation. Okay, already so much of this, the wording of it, all of that stuff, um, you know, that you could already tell that they're trying to they're trying to save and cover for themselves. Okay, the central allegations that Trump conspired. Okay, compromising him a veneer of credibility coming from this supposed British spy. Okay. And we already know from the public 
John Durham indictments, where all of this played into. We already know, guys, that we're looking at what uh, we're looking at uh, Fiona Hill. Uh, we're looking at um, at this uh, this uh, this is John Nolan, right? The John Nolan guy, like those guys, they're the ones who created this entire narrative, um, you know. And it got wrapped into Duchenko, and it got wrapped into uh, Milan and these other people that they're trying to uh, uh, they're trying to frame so they don't get in trouble. Okay, um, it says here, but five years later, the credibility of the dossier has significantly diminished. A series of investigations and lawsuits have discredited many of its central allegations and exposed the unreliability of Steele's sources. They also raise serious questions about the political underpinnings of some key explosive claims about Trump by shedding new light on the involvement of some well-connected Democrats in the dossier and separate efforts to prod the FBI to investigate ties between Trump's campaign and Russia. So guys, yes, they're basically admitting that they were wrong. All right. This is what this is coming out here. They're having to admit it, but this is not a redaction, okay? And they're not recalling their articles, and they're not recalling their fervor against President Trump. And they're not recalling any of the propaganda lies that they spew. These revelations have triggered a reckoning around the Steele dossier, particularly in the wake of two recent indictments secured by John Durham. The special counsel appointed during the Trump administration to investigate the FBI's Russia probe. Durham alleges that Steele's primary sources, a U.S.-based foreign policy analyst, repeatedly lied to the FBI about where he got his information. To be clear, multiple U.S. government inquiries uncovered dozens of contacts between Trump campaign associates and Russians, which have since been acknowledged. The candidate himself and his closest advisors even welcomed the Kremlin's interference in the election. Still, none of it added up to the collusion suggested in Steele's memos. Okay, so this again, guys, right here. Okay, U.S. government inquiries uncovered dozens of contacts between Trump campaign associates and Russians. I mean, my question here, guys, and what I would ask is, what about the fact that half, if not more, of the people who put together this Steele dossier... Half, if not more, of the people who were hired by Fusion GPS and hired by the DNC and hired by the Clinton campaign were either Russian or had Russian ties. So therefore, just by mere fact of the matter that the information that Christopher Steele is getting his information from actual Russians or spies... It, it coincides with the lie that there was Russian collusion when, in fact, they were the ones colluding with Russia. They were the ones who were hiring Russians. We're talking about Igor Dochensky, again, another one, the man who was indicted himself, Russian also. Uh, that all of it, it's just a big old circle. You talk about a poo-poo platter. You got a poo-poo platter right here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but still, CNN in this article is pushing their lies. You know, they have since been acknowledged that Trump and his associates talked with Russians. OK, I mean, you know, when you're uh, when you're going to be a candidate for the president of the greatest nation of the world, you might talk with people of other nations. Some of them might just happen to be Russian. OK. And it also says here the candidate himself and his closest advisors even welcome the Kremlin's interference in the election. We never even saw any evidence of that, ladies and gentlemen, that they're like, oh, yeah. You know, Kremlin, oh yeah, Russia, go ahead and interfere. We welcome it. We never saw any of that, but they're continuing with their lies. 
Legitimate questions are now being raised about the dossier. Oh, so they admit that there are legitimate questions to this dossier, how it was used by Democrats as political weapon against Trump. Oh, how, how nice of you to acknowledge that, CNN, and how it was handled by the FBI and U.S. intelligence agencies and how it was portrayed in the mainstream media. Oh, how lovely for you to acknowledge that legitimate questions are being raised against your own news coverage, CNN, okay? Democrats hidden hand revealed. Trump swiftly rejected Steele's claims and said a group of opponents put that crap together. Nearly five years later, it's clearer than ever that he wasn't too far off about the origins of the dossier. Isn't it amazing that they're putting that out there, ladies and gentlemen, that they're actually saying, but, but they're not acknowledging their own part in any of this mischief and propaganda lie spin, okay? But they are saying, oh, well, I mean, you know, uh, there is a level of arrogance and hubris that goes along with the writing of this uh, article when you're talking about um, a news agency, supposed news agency, that put out all of these lies and propaganda, but yet refuse to acknowledge their own part in the entire uh, dissemination of these lies, okay? Uh, it, it's crazy. Now, they, they acknowledge Mother Jones here. Mother Jones first revealed the existence of the dossier a few days before the 2016 election and said the memos were part of an opposition research project underwritten by the Democrats. Nearly a year passed before the full truth came out about the financing. The money flowed from Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign to law firm Perkins Coy, to the research company Fusion GPS, and then ultimately to Steele, who got or received $168,000. Okay, so you know, CNN. Oh, good on you for reporting this as fact. Are we going to talk about your hand in this entire uh, uh, proliferation of lies? Okay. Now, moving down along into the rest of this article, it says uh, Democrat involvement in Steele's work was much deeper than previously known. Court filings from the Durham inquiry recently revealed that some information in the dossier originated from Charles Dolan, 71, a public relations executive with the expertise in Russian affairs who had decades-long political relationship with the Clinton family. He has not been accused of any crimes. Ladies and gentlemen, I personally believe Charles Dolan or Fiona Hill may be the next indicted because it's pretty damning. He's a public relations guy. Charles Dolan is a public relations man. He's all about, you know, uh, getting yourself. There's no such. The only bad. Uh, the only bad news is no news at all. Right. The only bad headlines is not being in it. You want to be. OK, so this guy, this the, to me, he's the pervert here. OK, as we move along into this article, you're going to see that they take all of the they shift all of the blame off of Charles Dolan onto someone else. But to me. This 70-year-old one man is the pervert here who gave them the animus for the Steele dossier. That's just my personal opinion. You don't got to take my word for it, but that's what I'm saying here. Federal prosecutors said Dolan was in regular contact in 2016 with Steele's primary source, Igor Danchenko, 
49, a Russian citizen and foreign policy analyst who lives in Virginia, Danchenko was indicted on November 4th. Okay, that we all guys, we all we talked about Danchenko and his indictment from John Durham. We know all about it. We know that Charles Dolan is the primary guy who comes out of this, and he was introduced to Danchenko by one Fiona Hill. Okay. Um, and uh, allegedly lying to the FBI. Danchenko was indicted for lying to the FBI uh, with Dolan and fellow Soviet-born expat that he claimed he was one of his sources. Danchenko pleaded not guilty last week. In a statement to CNN, his defense attorney, Mark Schimmel, said Durham is pushing a false narrative designed to humiliate and slander a renowned expert in business, intelligence for political gain. Okay, so that is the that is where... Um, um, that is where Danchenko's side stands on this, that this is a false narrative that John Durham is pushing. Uh, I'm going to keep in mind here that John Durham has been doing an investigation and asking all these questions the entire time. So I don't see John Durham as pushing a false narrative when he's already had many subpoenas and he's already questioned a lot of these people in order to put together that indictment. Shamel, who is um, Danchenko's lawyer, says Shamel also accused Durham of including legally unnecessary information in the 39 page indictment to smear Danchenko. Okay, so uh, Danchenko's lawyer here is saying that John Durham put unnecessary information into this indictment, guys. We all know that this is a speaking indictment, and John Durham has been speaking since he released the Michael Sussman indictment, where it's laying out, in my opinion, a RICO type of case where we're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of strings being put together, a lot of loose ends being tied up in this. Okay, let's get back to the article. Uh, for the past five years, those with an agenda have sought to expose Mr. Danchenko's identity and tarnish his reputation while undermining U.S. national security, Chanel said. This latest injustice will not stand. We will expose how Mr. Danchenko has been unfairly maligned by these false allegations. The indictment indirectly connected Dolan to the infamous claim that Russia possessed a compromising tape of Trump with prostitutes in Moscow, which became known as the PP tape or the P tape. Trump and Russia both denied the allegations. So here you have, okay, and you just, you guys just heard, okay, you just heard in that George Stephanopoulos clip with Christopher Steele, where Christopher Steele says, I believe the tape's still out there somewhere, but even Russia has denied allegations of owning a PP tape against President Trump. So you got Trump, who is allegedly the accused, right? And you got the people that supposedly, okay, um, um, have this dirt on Trump denying it. But of course, the mainstream, mainstream fake news, legacy media is going to say, well, that's because they don't need Trump anymore. Okay, that's Russia's not going to let the dirt. They're not going to let the cat out of the bag because they don't they don't need to uh, they don't need to have President Trump. Um, you know, they don't they don't need to have him uh, blackmailed anymore. So, you know, what's the point? Right. Of course, they're going to deny it. According to Danchenko, uh, the Danchenko indictment in June 2016, Dolan toured the Ritz Carlton suite where the alleged liaison occurred and discussed Trump's 2013 visit with the hotel staff, but wasn't told about any sexual escapades. It's still unclear where those salacious details that ended up in the dossier came from. I'm willing to bet this man here, Charles Dolan, 
he looks like a sick puppy to me. Okay. Now that's speculation on my part, but uh, I, I don't know. He's, uh, he's in, he's in public relations guys. He's got to get you in the headlines and there's nothing better for public relations than some type of scandalous story. PR people know what that's about. And I'm just going to, that's where my, that's where I sit with that. I think Dolan's the sick puppy who created that stuff. I think he's the one that made all that up in my opinion. Anyways, uh, so getting along with the rest of this article, the indictment also says the dossier contained a relatively mundane item about Trump campaign infighting that Dolan later told the FBI he actually gleaned from news articles. So he didn't make it up himself. He got it from somewhere else. Prosecutors say Dolan even lied to Danchenko about where he got the gossip by attributing it to a GOP friend who was a close associate of Trump. So Dolan's doing his own CYA here in regards to this. And uh, he's not taking responsibility. Uh, interesting enough, all of this stuff is coming out in CNN, guys. So they're presenting to you all of the facts, but you get how there's a veneer of uh, untruth over it. Like they're saying that this is all alleged, but they're still supposedly reporting the truth. You see how they're trying to get away with it in this article and they're doing their own CYA for themselves uh, in writing this article about their reckoning with the dossier as if though that as if though they were being repentant as if though they were saying look we were wrong but that's clearly not what cnn is doing here an attorney representing dolan by the name of ralph martin declined to comment on the story because his client is a witness in an ongoing case durham explicitly stated in the danchenko indictment that the clinton campaign didn't direct and wasn't aware of Dolan's activities regarding the dossier. They make sure to put that out in the forefront. Clinton has said she only learned about the dossier when it was posted online two months after the 2016 election. Senior Clinton campaign aides also said they found out about Steele's work from press reports. Okay. And, you know, there might be some truth to that. They might have hired him. They might have funneled money to Christopher Steele, but they didn't look at the report. So technically they're not lying. Okay. Clinton's allies prod the FBI. The Danchenko indictment raises new concerns about the circular nature of the portions of Steele's work and how it fit into a larger effort by Democrats to dirty up Trump. Clinton's campaign funded the project, and we now know that much of the material in Steele's memos ended up being mere political gossip. Steele, oh, whoops, oh, dang it. <laughs> Let me correct that. My bad. Go ahead. Okay, yeah, here we go. Back into the story. For those of you on the podcast side, I clicked a link on accident. Okay, uh, let's see here. Uh, political gossip still then sent his explosive but unverified findings to the FBI and the State Department. While Steele was passing his tips onto the FBI in fall of 2016, a Clinton campaign lawyer separately met with the FBI senior official and gave him information about strange cyber, uh, cyber activity between servers at the Trump Organization and Alpha Bank, the largest private bank in Russia. Okay, so they're talking about Michael Sussman here, CNN is. We now know for a fact that the Trump servers were actually being housed somewhere in New York. Okay, they, they had nothing, they were nowhere, they were not even from the Trump Towers, okay? It was like a Trump server hosted somewhere in Long Island or something that sent out coupons and and uh, spam for the Trump organization. And, and that was tied to Alpha Bank. Okay, so all of that came out. 
Uh, CNN doesn't care to clarify that here, that it was not a Trump organization, actual server from the Trump organization going to Alpha Bank in Russia. CNN doesn't care to clarify that. All that is clarified in the John Durham indictments. Okay, back into the article. The lawyer, Michael Sussman, has since been charged with lying to the FBI during that meeting for allegedly saying he wasn't providing the dirt on behalf of any client, even though he ultimately billed that time to the Clinton campaign and also billed them for other work he did on the server issue. Durham says Sussman repeated this lie during a meeting with the CIA officials in February of 2017, where he told them about the server theories. Sussman pleaded not guilty. The indictment says Sussman peddled the same material to a Slate reporter who published a story right before the election. The story said reputable computer scientists uncovered unusual activity between servers belonging to the Trump organization and the Moscow-based Alpha Bank, suggesting a secret back channel. The Trump organization and Alpha Bank both denied there was a back channel. The FBI investigated the underlying data and ruled out any improper cyber links by February 2017. So here CNN is not saying that they believe it is true. Okay, CNN, for all we know, still believes that there was a back channel between the Trump organization and Alpha Bank, but they are saying that the FBI investigated the underlying data and ruled out any improper cyber links by February of 2017. So CNN may not necessarily believe it, but this is what the FBI ruled in their investigation. After the Slate article came out, Clinton's campaign went on a PR blitz tying Trump to Russia. Clinton had already slammed Trump for months for embracing Russia's interference in the election, which included releasing hacked emails from Clinton's campaign chairman and the Democrat National Committee. Let's not forget this entire Russia collusion hoax and lie most likely came about because the Clinton campaign wanted to take the heat off of themselves for Hillary Clinton's blitch, uh, blit, blit, bit bleaching frenzy and smashing of anything that might have had records of her 30, 40,000 erased and deleted emails. Yeah, blitch, uh, bit bleach, blitch beat. Uh, bit bleach. Yeah. But that's most likely what this was all about to begin with, aside from the fact that they did not want President Trump to win. Rumors, hearsay, and fabrications. When the dossier burst into public view, most of the con conversation revolved around Steele's resume. He worked undercover in Moscow. He ran the Russia desk at the MI6 headquarters and maintained a network of sources in the country. This lent credibility to his findings, even though nobody, including CNN, was able to confirm the explosive allegations of collusion or the salacious PP tape claims. Okay, goes on to talk about how CNN broke the story, how BuzzFeed posted the 35-page dossier, etc. Uh, let's move along a little bit. We're going to go ahead and uh, kind of move through the rest of this. Uh, it goes on to talk about how uh, Steele played a role in 2013 uh, and how he helped them bring down FIFA soccer officials in 2015. More talk about Danchenko and where he got his information from. Um, some of Steele's sources disintegrate. Talks about how uh, um, how uh, uh, the uh, Steele dossier disintegrate. I mean, the Steele dossier. How um, the Durham the Durham indictments totally disintegrate a lot of this information. But here we go. We have 
In interviews with the FBI, Danchenko attributed the information to Sergei Milan, Million, a Belarusian-American businessman who did some real estate work with the Trump organization. The indictment also says Danchenko sourced the PP tape story in part to Million, but Million wasn't the source, Durham says, contradicting press reports from 2017. Some outlets recently corrected or clarified those reports. So here we go. I'm saying all of this came from John Dolan, the guy who's been associated with the Clintons since like, what, 20 or 30 years, right? According to CNN, they're putting their money on the fact that it was this guy, Sergey Million. Sergey Million is saying that he's being framed, okay? But they're saying it wasn't Danchenko and it wasn't John Dolan. It was Million. And CNN seems to be backing up this lie, uh, and, and they're saying that John Durham is contradicting press reports. Okay, who are we going to believe? Are we going to believe press reports from MSNBC and CNN? Or are we going to believe John Durham, who's been doing a background investigation with the grand jury for four or five years? Okay, right, CNN. Now, this is CNN, just their CYA here. This is all this led this thing. They have not come to a reckoning with the Christopher Steele dossier. They have not come to a reckoning with John Durham. CNN has not done any of that. What CNN has done here is they've tried to cover their own um, arses, to put it in a uh, Christopher Steele British kind of way. And they're trying to say that uh, John Durham had nothing on any of this, but it was uh, it was all in fact it, it, it still exists. We have the we have the George Stephanopoulos. Um, um, we have his uh, interview with with uh, Christopher Steele. They're just basically trying to cover themselves without ever admitting that they lied about it, because at, through an article like this, at least they can say, well, hey, we talked about the facts that John Durham found. Whether or not we believe them or whether or not we choose to write about them like they're true is another story. But hopefully they can protect themselves in the court of law whenever it comes down to the fact that they have peddled lies and propaganda to the United States of America. That they have basically committed treason on behalf of whomever it is that they are supporting. And we could probably guess that that would be the left-leaning Democrats or you know the Hillary Clinton campaign. Through all of this, ladies and gentlemen, through all of this, let's just get to the end of this report because they talk about Mueller in here and they talk about how Mueller found that, you know, they were wrong. They talk about tainted FBI wiretaps and how that plays into the dossier and how what, uh, you know, uh, they did have uh, an admittance of guilt on the part of uh, was it, uh, Page uh, when he said that he uh, did, in fact, it was Carter Page, it was Carter Page, right? Uh, how he did, in fact, uh, change the uh, change the uh, the verbiage. Uh, that wasn't Carter Page. I take it back. Someone else. But anyways, uh, partial vindication for Trump. Let's look at this. This is towards the end. This was a long article by CNN where they're saying that they've met their day of reckoning, but clearly they haven't. Uh, critics of the Russian probe, conservative pundits, Republican lawmakers, and Trump himself took a victory lap after the inspector general blasted Page's FISA applications. The uh, that's because the inspector general's report confirmed that what many of them had argued all along, including a highly disputed memo from the GOP representative, Devin Nunes, that there were symptomatic problems with the FBI surveillance of someone tied to Trump and the Steele dossier was improperly used to influence part of the Russia probe. But the report refuted the more outlandish conspiracy theories that Trump, Nunes, and other Republicans pushed about the Russia probe. The report said the FISA process, while flawed, wasn't intentionally abused and wasn't politically biased. And the report debunked Trump's lies that the FBI planted spies in his campaign. 
supposedly. The latest Durham indictments also injected new life into Russia probe skeptics. So you see here again, they're not apologizing by any means with a line like that, okay? After wall-to-wall coverage of the Steele dossier, public opinion was quickly locked in on the question of collusion. Many Democrats clung to hope that the dossier was true. Most Republicans denounced it as a deep state hoax. Post-Mueller polling found that about half of Americans believe Trump was guilty of collusion. Uh, never mind the fact that CNN themselves had a lot to do with that lie and that propaganda dissemination. Mueller and the bipartisan Senate inquiry concluded that Trump's team welcomed Russian help and tried to coordinate on a few fronts, but it didn't come to fruition. But so much suspicion was fueled by Trump's massive cover-up about Russia. Trump and his team systematically lied about almost every aspect of the Russian probe. You see that? Systematically lied about every aspect of the Russian probe. Come on, move over. Move over. Fine. Make me do it for you. Okay. At the start, they falsely denied any uh, any contacts with Russians. After so many of their denials and were disproved, they repeatedly shifted their story. Trump repeatedly undermined and obstructed Mueller's investigation. All, all the while, Trump heaped praise upon Putin. He infamously took Putin's side at the 2018 Helsinki summit by agreeing with Putin's lies that Russia didn't try to help Trump win in 2016, leading many to wonder if Trump was compromised after all. That is how they conclude their story, ladies and gentlemen. That is how they conclude their reckoning, right? CNN's day of reckoning with the Steele dossier and the John Durham indictments. That is how they conclude their story. That says enough, ladies and gentlemen. These guys are trying to cover their butts by telling you what was truthfully displayed in the Durham indictments, but never once conceding the fact that they lied that they dispelled a whole but they disseminated a whole bunch of propaganda to the American people and they tried to take down a duly elected president. Again, Trump and his team systematically lied about almost every aspect of the Russia probe. No, I think that CNN systematically lied about every aspect of the Russia probe. At the start, they falsely denied any contacts with Russia. Everyone has contacts with Russia. I mean, heck, I have a friend here over at the foxhole.app, you know, who's Russian. And are you going to say that I have contacts with Russia because I have a friend from Russia who came to America? I mean, that's so broad, but they can get away with it and they can act like they're telling the truth when they're really telling lies. Okay, these are these are these are what lies of omission, lies of partial truth is what they're saying here. Okay. After so many of their denials were disproved, they repeatedly shifted their story, okay? I would say so many denials of CNN's story was disproved, and they are now shifting their story via this lame non-apology that they're trying to cover their butts with. Trump repeatedly undermined and obstructed Mueller's investigation. Now, I would ask, how did Trump undermine and obstruct an investigation that proved him to be innocent to begin with? These are just lies, more lies for the dull-minded Americans that will believe anything that they're told, okay? And they're cherry on top. All the while, Trump heaped praise on Putin and took Putin's side. 
by agreeing that Putin's lied that Russia tried to uh, involve themselves in the 2016 win of President Trump. And again, right here, guys, they continue their false lies. Let me just put that on the screen. Leading many to wonder if Trump was compromised after all. Who wonders? Except for all of the liars at CNN. They're probably the only ones that wonder. I don't think anyone else out there in America is wondering that at all, ladies and gentlemen, when we're talking about this entire debacle. This is not a day of reckoning for CNN over the Steele dossier or over Russia, 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 okay? But that day is coming, ladies and gentlemen, and it's quickly coming. It's coming fast. And uh, sharing this lame excuse of an article from CNN with you guys today here on the Sea Report, I think just goes to show that uh, they will not be able to get away with any of this once all of it comes to a head because they played a deft and grave role in submitting those lies and propaganda, trying to take down a duly elected president, committing treason essentially in some a greater vast conspiracy that a lot of people in America are slowly waking up to, but all of that information will come out in due time and all of that will be revealed to a point, I'm more than sure, as we move along on this timeline of reckoning for people in the mainstream, lamestream, fake news media and beyond. But that's not where our story ends for today here at the Sea Report. We're going to take a look at another story that offers us a little bit of a glimpse into the propaganda and the lies that the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy media just continues to push out, ladies and gentlemen, because they continue to do it. We all know this is a very recent story. Some of you guys might remember. We didn't really get to cover it here much at the Sea Report, so we're going to cover it here now. You guys might recognize this photo of these uh, young individuals standing in front of the uh, tour bus for one governor-elect, Glenn Youngkin. Uh, now, this was, again, at the head of his um, campaign foray into becoming governor of the state of Virginia. This was a, one, of the, one of those days, guys, towards the end of the campaign. And we see here a group of young individuals standing in front of his bus with a tiki torch, okay? Now, when I heard about this story, guys, I was kind of like, what is, what, what's, what, what is the point? Like, what are they talking about here? What's, what's the scandal going on here now, okay, with uh, the tiki torches and Glenn Youngkin and uh, four white people and one black man? Ha! Keep that in mind, guys. We got four Caucasians and a black man, okay? Four Caucasians and a black American standing in front of Glenn Youngkin's bus with a tiki torch. I was like, what's what? What's the big hoopla about? Like, why is everyone making a bus over four Caucasians and a black person standing in front of Glenn Youngkin's bus with a tiki torch? I, it was not registering, guys. I was like, how is this racist? Like, what is, t are they being racist against Hawaiians or like uh, you people who like tiki torches? Or are they trying to say that only poor white people use tiki torches at a, a gathering or an event? And is that really racist against the yeah, racists or is that racist against poor white people? I don't understand. Well, here's the catch, ladies and gentlemen. It was supposed to be reminiscent of this event, 
that took place in uh, Charleston, Virginia in 2017. We all guys remember Charleston 2017. We remember about the tragedy that happened there and it was spurred on by uh, racist neo-Nazis that caused them to drive into people and kill people. And that's what this was, okay? That photo of these uh, these, uh, four Caucasians and a black person, a black person, racist, right? With tiki torches was supposed to be reminiscent of the neo-Nazi rampage that happened in 2017 in Charleston, Virginia. Okay, that was the point. Okay, I was like, oh, okay, that's the point. (laughs) I guess there's a black man standing here. I'm sure he's a neo-Nazi too, because he is standing with a tiki torch in front of Glenn Youngkin's tour bus. Clearly, these are racists. Now, As facetious as I have been the last minute and a half talking about this photograph and what this was supposed to represent, I'm pretty sure that you guys understand that this was a uh, a type of activist, you know, this was not, they were clearly not really racists, they were clearly not neo-Nazis. And if you really dig into it, they were clearly not with the Glenn Youngkin campaign. This was performance art, political activism on the part of who, okay? So we figured that out in about a minute and a half here at the Sea Report. Uh, no thanks to the fact that this story has already been debunked and we were just looking at previous headlines. But the mainstream media didn't figure this out, guys, okay? <laughs> the mainstream fake news legacy media did not figure out that this was political activist performance art that was meant to make a statement, okay? That was uh, to say, hey, Uh, Glenn Youngkin might be associated with neo-Nazis, but uh, these aren't actually neo-Nazis standing out and none of them, one of them has a shaved head and one of them's black, okay? Neo-Nazis, clearly. Okay, so let's take a look at an article. Uh, This is actually a recent one out of the New York Post. Yeah, here we go. Uh, The media needs to ignore the Lincoln liars. Oh, what do they mean by the Lincoln liars? What's going on here, ladies and gentlemen? Okay, well, let's let's start with fact one in regards to the story. And fact one would be that the media could not figure out that this was performance art by political activists, but they literally ran away with the story that Glenn Youngkin supports neo-Nazis and white supremacists, and they support him. Okay, obviously this didn't work because uh, Glenn Youngkin is the current governor-select of the state of Virginia. But uh, again, this comes from uh, the New York Post. The Lincoln Liars, okay. Let's Let's hang on to the Lincoln Liars there for a minute. On Friday, five young Democrat operatives toting tiki torches attempted a white supremacist's hoax on Glenn Youngkin, the dark horse Republican gubernatorial candidate in Virginia who is panicking his Democrat opponent, Terry McAuffle. There they stood in the pouring rain next to a Yunkin campaign bus looking suitably ashamed in their neo-Nazi disguises. The anti-Trump Lincoln Project took the blame for the fraud, which has been dubbed Tiki-gate. But it sure looked like a McAuffle operation. At least two members of the, the group have been identified online as working for Virginia Democrats. McAuffle spokeswoman Christina Found, uh, Freundlich 
what Freundlich, who's the neo-Nazi here? Anyways, uh, Christina Freundlich was quick to retweet a photo of the Tiki Five. This is who Glenn Youngkin supporters are. Um, her colleague, Jen Goodman, tweeted, this is disgusting and disqualifying for Youngkin. And uh, let's see here. Strategist, Democrat strategist Max Burns tweeted that the image proved Youngkin's campaign counts uh, white supremacists among its most enthusiastic supporters. Now, getting along to the mainstream, lamestream, fake news legacy media, the article says left-wing media operatives energetically spread the lie on social media, but when the farcical hoax was exposed later in the day, Tweets were suddenly deleted, accounts were suddenly set to private, and the Lincoln Project narrative emerged. The next day, however, the New York Times, the Washington Compost, and the Communist News Network, CNN, either ignored or made misleading claims about one of the most damaging acts of self-harm by a political campaign in living memory. The Times published a shameful column downplaying the rape of a 15-year-old girl in a school bathroom in Virginia and a snarky piece portraying Yunkin as a closet trumper, but nothing on Tikigate. In the Washington Compost, once you scrolled past the Trump clickbait, there was a single Tikigate story blaming the Lincoln Project if you can call it blame, the Washington Compost explained that the racist hoax was really, uh, the racist hoax really was a noble stunt to draw attention to the white supremacist tendencies of Yunkin and his supporters. Huh? Just as with the fine people smear against Donald Trump, the January 6th false flag riot, which had nothing to do with white supremacy and the Jussie Smollett, Jesse Smollett and Covington kids race hoaxes, leftist media lapped up the story with willful naivete and promoted it to a willing audience. This is one reason leftists ultimately are doomed in this country. Okay, so that was from, again, the New York Post showing how, yes, once again, we have the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy media running away with lies that have been disproven, okay? The Tiki Five had nothing to do with uh, white supremacy or even being part of Glenn Youngkin's campaign of supporters, but was, again, a performance art piece that was meant to draw those connections, um, most interesting enough, uh, the Lincoln project, they're still around guys and they have taken responsibility for this. I think it was rather courageous of them to admit that they were taking responsibility against the Tiki five. And that just made me want to take a little gander from, uh, on high into the Lincoln project. So we'll segue from the lies, and the propaganda smears, that the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy media has constantly taken with any, without without any regard for truth, and we'll look into the Lincoln Project, and we'll dig a little bit into them for the remainder of the show before we uh, get off the air here. 
And we'll start with this entire debacle with the Tiki Five that they put up for everyone to believe. Can you, these guys funded it? So, you know, these are supposedly Republicans, right? We can identify them as rhinos, of course. And we know that the Lincoln Project has come under a massive amount of scrutiny because of things that they did themselves. So let's take a look at those things, guys, because there are people in the conservative movement, there are rhinos even, who are saying, Lincoln Project, you kind of need to close the door on your project. You kind of need to put it on the back burner. You need to go away, is kind of what people in their own group of rhinos are telling them, their own warmongering and their own America-hating, communist-loving and supporting, sympathizing rhinos are telling these guys to go away. You know, but they, they're still here and they were most recently active as late or as recent as the gubernatorial race in Virginia. Ladies and gentlemen, still trying to push anti-Trump, never-Trump rhetoric onto candidates who you would have think that these guys would have exposed Glenn Youngkin for his ties to the Carlisle group, but instead they're trying to tie him to white supremacy. Go figure, Lincoln Project. Apparently, you guys aren't working as diligently and as sharp-mindedly as you were when you had your pederast co-founder as part of your organization. Okay, so Lincoln Project. Let's see here. We got this article from Town Hall. The Lincoln Project releases a statement on publicity stunt with the Tiki Torches at the Yunkin tour bus. Let's take a brief look at this. It says here, and let me go ahead and expand that. Lincoln Project on Friday evening released a statement regarding an incident reported on earlier by Guy that entailed five individuals standing in the rain dressed identically as they carried Tiki Torches. The five of them posed in front of a tour bus for Virginia's Republican gubernatorial candidate, Glenn Youngkin, and said something along the lines of, we're all in for Glenn. Okay, so uh, let's see here. They got the statement from the Lincoln Project. Let's go ahead and take a look at that. It says here on October 29, 2021, today the Lincoln Project released the following statement. Glenn Youngkin has said, President Trump represents so much of why I am running. Young proves it every day by trying to divide Virginians using racial code words like critical race theory and supporting a ban on teaching the works of America's only black noble laureate. The Lincoln Project has run advertisements highlighting the hate unleashed in Charlottesville, as well as Glenn Youngkin's continued failure to denounce Donald Trump's very fine people on both sides. We will continue to draw this contrast in broadcast videos on our social media platforms and at Yunkin rallies. Today's demonstration was our way of reminding Virginians what happened in Charlottesville four years ago. The Republican Party's embrace of those values and Glenn Youngkin's failure to condemn it. Uh, the Youngkin campaign is enraged by our reminder of Charlottesville for one simple reason. Glenn Youngkin wants Virginians to forget that he is Donald Trump's candidate. We will continue to hold Glenn Youngkin accountable if he will denounce Trump's assertion that the Charlottesville rioters possessed very fine qualities, will withdraw the tiki torches. Until then, we'll be back. Okay. How lame is that, guys? How lame is that? And uh, we got the Lincoln Project 
out there loud and proud, okay? Not that they were proud before, because clearly they were in the closet, in regards to uh, this whole tiki thing. It was performance art, guys. It was... Uh, it was not meant to be taken as real, but of course the mainstream, mainstream fake news legacy media ran away with it like it was the true bread and butter of everything that they've been looking for. This article by Town Hall continues. Let me go ahead and expand that on the screen. Cameron Joseph also reported for Vice. Oh God, these, these liberal... These liberal venues, guys, are just entirely left-leaning, I should say. Left-leaning liberal venues are entirely frustrating. Cameron Joseph also reported for Vice that liberal activist Lauren Windsor confirmed her role in the stunt. Windsor said in a statement to Vice, In my capacity as a communications consultant, I worked with the Lincoln Project to coordinate this action. I joined them in the fight to defend our democracy from right-wing extremists and in calling for Glenn Youngkin to denounce Trump's very fine people. The statement from the Lincoln Project, okay, we already read through that, so we're not going to read it, uh, that the Lincoln Project is a nonprofit may raise legal concerns, as some users pointed out. We'll talk about that in just a little bit as we move along. While many pointed out that the individuals were clearly Democrats who had been planted there, the campaign spokesperson for Terry McAuffel, Youngkin's Democrat opponent, furthered the claim that the individuals were Youngkin supporters. Okay, so all of this was just totally a wrap-up smear campaign, guys. This is what they do. This is how they function. This is how they get people on their side. It's all emotional and it's all a lie, okay? But uh, that goes on, ladies and gentlemen, as the article continues. Uh, what I was interested in looking at here also, because again, we have this Lincoln Project involvement. Uh, we have internal emails from the Lincoln Project that shows how these guys were supposed to act. So again, we had Lauren Windsor here, um, which is the girl pictured in the photo right here, okay, um, who's a, a man away from the black man, the black American here. <laughs> And yet this is a racist, uh, this is a, these are racists, right? That white supremacists, you have a black man here. <laughs> and it just, how can the media do that? They're so stupid. They're just so dumb. It's ridiculous, guys. But uh, let's take a look here. Now, these are, these are from the internal emails. Actually, let's just look at the internal email itself, okay? Instead of looking at what the article has to say. We'll pull that up here. Let me go ahead and make sure I got that on the screen for you guys. And is this it? Yeah. Bam. Here we go. Here's the internal email. Okay. This is from Lauren Windsor. Okay. From Virginia Tomorrow. Again, these guys all have the same type of freaking uh, moveon.org, uh, press forward, uh, something tomorrow, yada, yada, yada. This is what they were supposed to say. Ian, whoever Ian was in that group, is the only spokesperson allowed, okay? Only questions to be answered are, who are you with? We're here with the Lincoln Project. So according to the Lincoln Project, they were supposed to admit that's who they were with. And if they're asked why they are here, they're to say, we're here to remind Virginians what an endorsement from Donald Trump really means. And there's to be no comment for any other questions. Uh, another another instruction from the Lincoln Project is brigade, brigade is not to answer any questions, only engage in chanting. So Ian is the only person who's supposed to talk. The rest of the brigade is not to answer any questions or only to chant. 
They must direct all questions to Ian, no engagement from anyone, and they're supposed to chant, we're all in for Glenn and hail Trump. That is what the Lincoln Project wants them to say. Now, Pete, another member of the brigade, is only person to be taking pictures and video. Brigade should not be on their phones. We need the visual to be clean. And number four, de-escalate if people start threatening you. Do not engage. See below and let me know if you have any questions. That's from Lauren Windsor. Okay, now let me get back to this article so we can tie all of this back in together. Ladies and gentlemen, and we'll move that over here and we'll push that button here. Okay, now it says here, <coughs> the evening before the event, Lauren Windsor and officials at the Lincoln Project exchanged final messages outlining their plan. Windsor shared the emails with The Intercept to demonstrate that she had not intended to create a hoax, allowing us to review her inbox itself to demonstrate that emails were not doctored. As a condition for providing the emails, she asked that the Lincoln Project officials' names be kept anonymous and she didn't have permission as she did not have permission to share them the operatives were instructed to reveal to any reporter who asked that they were there on behalf of the lincoln project the problem for the actors nobody from the media approached them they were likely scared off by drizzle said pete callahan another democrat operative so all of that is coming from internal emails that Lauren Windsor shared, keeping anonymous uh, the Lincoln Project individuals who instructed her. The instructions also included the mundane brigade should not be on phones. We need to keep the visual clean. Um, and to the security-related questions, uh, de-escalate if people start threatening them. Later that night, the lead on the ground organizer, Ian Golden, confirmed that he'd received these instructions. Understood. Lauren, I'll text you once we SP, when we arrive and when we're clear, he said, gathering at a starting point when we, or once we starting point is abbreviated SP in army lingo. The five tiki torch wielding stunt artists gathered in the rain and to any reasonable person clearly appear to be carrying out a performance. Their khakis in several cases looked more denim than khaki. They were wearing sunglasses in a drizzling rain. Did we mention that only three of the five were white men? Beyond that, the notion that even white supremacists at this point would show up with tiki torches and khakis, bigger, beggars belief. Okay, so <laughs> this is just some crazy, crazy stuff, guys. Uh, it goes to the lengths to show you that uh, the, these people who have this Trump derangement syndrome is quite... Uh, it's it's at insane levels and then of course you have the media that runs away with a story like this and they can they even admit that they did this can they even admit that they did this ladies and gentlemen it's crazy 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 uh we're gonna wrap up today's c report with a little bit more on the lincoln project um we've reported on this before guys We've talked about the scandal that has taken place at the Lincoln Project, but why not shed a little bit more light on these obvious rhinos, these obvious communist sympathizers, these people who are clearly against America and the American way of life, uh, just because they say that they're against a president that they call fascist. Uh, let's face it, they're against someone who's not part of the club. They're against someone who will not push the narrative that they have already been bought into or compromised into. They're against people who stand for truth, justice, and reality, guys. That's what these guys are all about. Now, 
Like I said, we've mentioned the Lincoln Project here before. Back in February, mid to late February and March, we did a story on the Lincoln Park Project that had to do with them being, well, it was the co-founder, one of the co-founders of the group. Uh, who had been exposed as not only being a closet homosexual, uh, but also for harassing several, more than a dozen, almost two dozen young men and offering them jobs in politics and uh, and the likes in exchange for who knows what, okay? But of all of that information, what did come out for a fact beyond a shadow of a doubt is that he was also engaging minors in such type of activity and trying to get these minors to talk. He was engaging minors. Okay. Now here's the man on the screen. This is one of the co-founders of the Lincoln project. His name is John Weaver. He resigned in mid January after allegations came out about his sexually harassing uh, over 20 young men, including two minors, okay, uh, into offering them jobs and asking them all types of questions. Uh, now, an article into the Washington Examiner kind of goes into some of that information. I'll pull that up onto the screen of you guys. It says, 21 men disclose online harassment from Lincoln Project co-founder John Weaver. Let's go ahead and expand that for you guys. It says here, nearly two dozen men accused the anti-Trump Lincoln Project co-founder John Weaver of sending inappropriate online messages through the course of his political career. One man allege, alleges that John Weaver, now 61, sent him messages for years, starting when he was 14 years old. Weaver reportedly asked questions about his body while he was in high school and later asked more pointed questions after he turned 18. The New York Times interviewed 21 men who claim they received similar messages from Weaver. Uh, Cole Trickle Millay said he followed Weaver on Twitter in 2015 when he was 14 years old and received a direct message from the longtime GOP operative shortly afterwards. Um, I remember being a 14-year-old kid interested in politics and being semi-starstruck by John Weaver engaging in a conversation with me, Trickle Millet said. The now 19-year-old said he was a supporter of former Ohio Governor John Kasich, to whom Weaver was a top advisor. Weaver allegedly sent messages to Trickle for years and wrote to him when he turned 18 saying, I want to come to Vegas and take you to dinner and drinks and spoil on you and sent a follow-up message asking for his body stats. Kyle Allen, 23, said Weaver contacted him from 2016 to 2018 asking about his height um, weight and what he was wearing, as well as whether he was circumcised. He also reportedly asked Alan to get him a speaking gig at the University of Ottawa, where he was studying. I would try to veer the conversations toward politics, and he would always find a way to bring it back to sexual stuff, Alan said. Cody Braltz, a recent college graduate, said he relied, he replied to one of Weaver's tweets last year when he was looking for a job in politics. He quickly received a direct message from Weaver, who reportedly suggested meeting in Chicago to talk about politics and later asked what Braltz did in his free time. 
When Brault said he ran marathons, Weaver reportedly responded, at least I know that whatever we end up doing, you could do it multiple times in a row, adding a winky face emoji. It just seemed like he was exploiting his power. He was someone very important and high up in a field I want to go into, Brault said. Weaver admitted to sending inappropriate messages earlier this month when the allegations first surfaced. He came out as gay and said he took full responsibility for his actions. He reiterated that sentiment in a statement. Okay. It says later here, the Lincoln Project disavowed Weaver in a recent statement saying they are grateful he never was in the physical presence of any other members of the organization. John Weaver led a secret life that was built on a foundation of deception at every level. The statement read, he is a predator, a liar, and an abuser. Like so many, we have been betrayed and deceived by John Weaver. Okay. Oh, and let's let, let's add in this little caveat. Before joining the Lincoln Project, which is made up of Republican strategists who identified with the Never Trump movement, Weaver was a top advisor to Ohio Governor John Kasich and the late Senator John McCain. Okay. So that's a little bit on some of the scandal that was going on with Weaver and the Lincoln Project, but wait, there's more. In this article from, uh, let's see, where is this from? Again, from the New York Post, we see that a second teen accuses Lincoln Project's John Weaver of sexual harassment. Let's take a quick look. It says here, uh, a second teen has accused ousted Lincoln Project co-founder John Weaver of aggressively sexually harassing him, according to the journalist who initially broke the story. The second minor accuser comes on the heels of a New York Times report on January 31st that Weaver, who helmed the anti-Trump super PAC, sexually harassed a 14-year-old boy. I am here to say that I have made contact with another minor who was sexually harassed by John Weaver, reporter Ryan Gerdusky said Monday on Fox News on the Ingram angle. He is still a minor today, he doesn't want his name to come forward because he is a minor, added Gerdusky, who first reported the allegations against Weaver last month for the American conservative. The journalist said he has been in contact with numerous men with similar allegations with the latest alleged victim also reaching out to him. Gerdusky said he saw the creepy online message Weaver allegedly sent the boy. John Weaver aggressively sexually harassed him. There's possibility more accusers to come. Okay, so there you have that uh, coming out also from the New York Post in regards to this. But that's not actually where it ends, ladies and gentlemen, where this is focusing on John Weaver, the co-founder who has since uh, resigned from the Lincoln Project. It appears that in a uh, turn of events, that the Lincoln Project also harassed gay interns working for them. They faced harassment as well as slurs. This article comes from Breitbart, and this is just painting a picture of you guys of the type of people that we're dealing with here who are anti-Trump, never Trump, communist sympathizers, okay? And they try and project things like the PP dossier and other things. That's why I think Chris, this John Dolan guy is probably the guy who really 
made up all this. So he looks like a dirt bag. And I'm just, I guess I'm being a little judgy there, preemptively speaking, but that's kind of what I'm saying here. Uh, but you have this, this super PAC, this group of rhinos, these never Trumpers, these conservatives in name only, rhino Republican in name only. And you see what these guys are doing to people. You see how they're dealing with people. And, and what all that they're putting them through. And yet they have the gumption to have the righteous indignation to try and take the high road, as Michael Obama once put so eloquently, against people that they perceive as their own enemy, that they project their own lies and their own immoralness on. Well, I don't know. I don't want to get too highfalutin here at the close of the sea report, but we're going to end up uh, end it with these reports on the Lincoln Project. Because again, like I said, rhinos themselves are saying you guys need to quit it and go away and yet they're still uh, active as recently as uh, what late october early november um in the uh, virginia gubernatorial races uh this uh, article says here if you connected the dots of these various reports about the disgraced lincoln project super PAC, what you find is a far left institution dedicated to harassing and humiliating its gay employees to begin with, it sounds as though Lincoln Project co-founder John Weaver, who only recently resigned in disgrace, not only made it a practice to seek out and hire young gay men for jobs and internships, he did so in order to create his own concubine to allegedly prey on. Okay. Secondly, according to GOP super columnist Carl Rove, and we're not going to even get into this uh, super consultant Carl Rove, because already we have allegations of Carl Rove coming out as a closet homosexual, and all of his, these are alleged, but he did call Ali Alexander, Ali Akbar, Little Prancer in his own book, but uh, there's an alleged, there's alleged uh, blackmail going on there between Ali Alexander and Carl Rove for their own uh, homosexual trysts at hotel rooms in Washington and abroad. Anyways, but according to super consultant Carl Rove, Weaver's alleged behavior has been an open secret in Washington, D.C. since at least 1988. Even so, Lincoln Project co-founder Steve Schmidt, who also resigned in disgrace, still chose to go into business with Weaver and still claimed that they knew nothing about Weaver's alleged behavior until this year. How is it possible for Schmidt to be a rove protege and not know about Weaver? Nevertheless, various reports from multiple sources claim that at the very least, Lincoln Project management knew of Weaver's alleged predations and harassment for months and months and months before Weaver was supposedly forced to go on leave in August of 2020. So just to begin with, the Lincoln Project appears to be some sort of grooming operation where gay young men are brought in for John Weaver's personal sexual pleasure it gets worse. According to the 19th, on top of allegedly being preyed on by Weaver, the Lincoln Project's gay interns and employees were subjected to a toxic work environment where sexism and anti-gay slurs were the norm. Young men were wizards, while young women were girls. Political, political rivals were pussies or cocksuckers or faggots. And I apologize for the language, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just reading the article. By the time the staff convened in Park City, the situation had become so toxic, according to more than a dozen accounts, that at least two co-founders, neither of whom remain at the project, had tried unsuccessfully to intervene to improve 
working conditions. Can you imagine what these poor guys went through? On one level, you work for a company where everyone enables your boss to sexually harass and groom you. On another level, you get you got all these macho assholes running around calling people faggots. Well, this is what happens when evil people like Weaver and Schmidt and Rick Wilson know no one will ever hold them accountable for anything. Isn't that a crazy disgrace, guys? And yet you still have the Lincoln Project running around doing political operations in order to uh, bring down anyone who is America first, anyone who is standing to restore the republic, anyone who's standing for the rule of law and common sense in our country. These people are still running around doing their political misgivings to everybody, guys, to everybody. So uh, there was that. Now, just to put the cherry on top of this, when we're talking about the, the sexual harassment that was suffered by the co-founder, John Weaver, then you had uh, the Schmidt guy. It was Eric Schmidt. He's the other co-founder. He actually stepped down, okay? And uh, I don't have the article here. Steve Schmidt is his name. I don't have the article here. You can dig it up or you can take my word for it. But Steve Schmidt actually resigned. Because he says that the things that um, um, that Weaver guy did, the other co-founder, John Weaver did, Steve Schmidt said that the things that John Weaver did to those 20 plus young men brought back memories of his time in, uh, in, in a summer camp where he, Steve Schmidt, was molested by Gay Ray, the summer camp uh, doctor, okay? And it brought back all of these memories, what John Weaver did. And he was sexually abused as a kid. And so Steve Schmidt says that he's resigning because he can't be with Lincoln Project anymore because of the memories and the PTSD that John Weaver brought back to him. But supposedly, Steve Schmidt did not know anything about anything with John Weaver, okay, even though Steve Schmidt was the protege of Karl Rove, who knew about John Weaver since 1988, okay? <laughs> so all of this makes absolutely no sense to, except to those who can see clearly through the lies and can see clearly through the bull that these guys are trying to cover their own butts with. But if this is the case, here's the cherry on top, guys. With all of this sexual harassment going on, with all of this toxic work environment for Steve Schmidt to say he doesn't know, okay, then why do we have this? We have a statement here from six former Lincoln Project employees and associates, guys, who want to go on record about all of the toxic environment and sexual harassment that they had seen, but they're afraid to because they're afraid of reprisal. They're afraid of being politically blackballed. And they're afraid that no one will be held accountable. Let's look at the statement before we wrap up today's story on the C-Report. It says here, we, the anonymously undersigned, are six former employees and associates of the Lincoln Project. Tonight, in light of recent events, news reports, and statements from the Lincoln Project, we call on the remaining leadership of the Lincoln Project to release us and all others from all non-disclosure agreements or other contracts of, without precondition regarding A, harassment per perpetrated by John Weaver that we experienced or witnessed, B, 
knowledge of harassment of others by John Weaver. C, any other information specific to the John Weaver harassment situation that would aid the press, public, and our donors in answering questions relevant to the public interests and to the interests of the Lincoln Project's many loyal fans and small donors. In a statement, the Lincoln Project requested that those seeking to be released from NDAs should contact Lincoln Project. Expecting victims and those close to victims con to contact and engage the people and organization accused of protecting the very predator at issue is absurd, unreasonable, and insensitive. Because of the recent public behavior of co-founder Steve Schmidt and the organization generally, including A, Steve Schmidt attacking co-founder and valued former colleague Jennifer Horn in a public Twitter smear, B, Steve Schmidt baselessly dismissing the major contributions to Lincoln Project's mission by co-founder Mike Madrid in a statement, and C, ongoing statements provided to a national press mission by co-founder, oh wait, uh, to a national, to national press, including the New York Times and the Associated Press, we do not feel safe directly engaging the remaining leadership of the Lincoln Project or anyone at the organization, especially while Steve Schmidt remains at the organization and have chosen to state our request publicly and anonymously. Additionally, Given the Associated Press and New York Magazine reports on February 11th, we lack any confidence in the organization's remaining leadership to properly handle our allegations of or knowledge of sexual harassment and sexual assault by John Weaver. Additionally, we have reasonable fear of retaliation as demonstrated by the recent late-night Twitter attack from Steve Schmidt against Jennifer Horn following her resignation on February 5th. Over a year ago, the Lincoln Project put out a much-needed call for decency and a commitment to principle and politics in this newspaper. In keeping with the Lincoln Project's mission to stand for decency and integrity in our political system, we directly and immediately request the release of all current and former staff, contractors, or those otherwise engaged from any and all contracts or agreements that prevents the free sharing of information as it narrowly relates to John Weaver, pardon me, John Weaver's harassment and subsequent events. We request this release with no pretense conditions nor need for contact with the organization done in a public statement. So guys, they knew this stuff was going on. They knew it was happening. And in fact, there are um, articles as late or as recent as June of this year where they're actually doing a probe, the Lincoln Project doing a probe, no pun intended, into John Weaver's sexual harassment allegations and those being whitewashed again by the same members of the Lincoln Project still there today uh, working with this Never Trump rhino organization. I think it's safe to say, ladies and gentlemen, that the Lincoln Project has been exposed. Now, in this uh, letter or statement from the former uh, employees and associates of Lincoln Project, just to wrap up today's report, they mentioned something about money, funds, finances, going to one of their very own members, a guy by the name of Madrid. Well, 
as it turns out in regards to the monies that were raised by the Lincoln Project. So we're going to go a step beyond the sexual harassment. We're going to go a step beyond the homosexual pederists here at the Lincoln Project. We're going to talk about some of the finance campaign violations that might actually be on the horizon for the Lincoln Project when we see that over half of the money that they raised during the year 2020 to fight President Trump and their Trump PTSD syndrome, right? They they raised $90 million and roughly 45 million of those dollars went directly to companies that are owned by members of the Lincoln Project. The Lincoln Project, an organization that has been plagued with controversy, okay, took in close to $90 million during the 2020 general election for a campaign task to defeat President Trump. And of the $90 million, roughly $45 million went to the companies owned by the principal partners of the group. Uh, for that, we'll look at this article here. This is from the 19th. This is the article that actually exposed all the sexual harassment that was happening to the employees and the interns. Uh, but we'll take a look at the money factor here. Now, uh, just to give all of us a very specific idea of the people who are involved with the Lincoln Project. We know they're never Trumpers. We know they're rhinos. We know that they're Trump haters and people have Trump derangement syndrome. But let's be specific. Who are these people? Okay, we know that Steve Schmidt is out. We know that John Weaver is out. But who else is still hanging around in the bouts over at the Lincoln Project? Let me go ahead so we can get a clear picture. Then we'll take a look at the money that they're, uh, I would say, possibly laundering to themselves. Okay, uh, that's coming out right now. And we'll call it a wrap for the C-Report today. It says here, the Lincoln Project's founders were some of the highest profile players in Republican politics before they rejected Trump and became apostates within their own party. There was George Conway a high-profile conservative lawyer who is married to Kellyanne Conway, who is a top advisor to Trump. Uh, John Weaver worked on Senator John McCain's presidential campaign, as did Galen and Schmidt. Okay, so that's Steve Schmidt, and uh, I don't know if I have a first name for Galen. Let me see here. Let me get you a first name for Galen. So this way we can identify this. Uh, let's see, Reed Galen. Okay, so that is Rick Wilson, Reed Galen, Steve Schmidt. Those are amongst the eight co-founders of the Lincoln Project. Now, uh, to finish up this paragraph here and we'll move on. Uh, so we had Reed Galen and Steve Schmidt. Mike Madrid is a strategist specializing in Latinx voting trends. Jennifer Horn is a former GOP chair from New Hampshire. Wilson worked on Rudy Giuliani's mayoral and Senate campaigns. Ron Steslow started his own consulting firm after working at the National Republican Senatorial Committee. Now, Conway was the first to leave in August, citing family obligations. Weaver took medical leave around the same time. A three-person board, Galen, Madrid, and Steslow, was created without input from some of the other co-founders. Eventually, disputes over that board and its scope led to bitter infighting that involved individual co-founders lawyering up and threatening one another with OPPO research, opposition research, Washington speak for the type of negative information amassed by a political campaign or organization to use against a rival. Yep, it sounds like a whole bunch of gay people fighting with each other. 
In late 2020, I can say that, guys. In late 2020, Conway stepped in to help mediate what was quickly becoming a civil war within the organization. Uh, let's go to the money. Okay, so on December 21st, the Lincoln Project paid Madrid's firm, Grassroots Lab, two round sum payments of $1.1 million and $300,000. On the same date, it paid Steslo's firm, Tusk Digital, $900,000. All the payments were described as for political strategy consulting on comp uh, campaign finance filings. The Lincoln Project was organized as a super PAC, meaning it could raise and spend unlimited sums of money but had to disclose only basic details about where the money was going. I think super PACs should be no more. The firms that some of the co-founders brought with the Lincoln with them to the Lincoln Project's work became a source of internal frustration as more than half of the nearly $90 million raised by the project flowed to firms controlled by its various founders. Once it was there, there was usually no way to track how they spent or kept it. As of late January, Galen's firm, Summit Strategic Communications, had received roughly $27.5 million from the Lincoln Project, with the bulk of that going to independent expenditures, such as television or internet advertisements, and nearly $7 million to consulting. Steslow's firm, Tusk, received $22.4 million, with $7.1 million for consulting. Steve Schmidt's firm, SES Strategics, received $1.5 million for consulting, but he told the Chicago Tribune he returned it. Madrid's grassroots lab received nearly $2.2 million for consulting services. The Lincoln Project paid Horn directly in amounts of $5,000 or $10,000 per month. Campaign finance filings show. In the fall, she began receiving additional payments from uh, Lincoln Project TV, but in all, her annual compensation was approximately $150,000, sources familiar with the situation said. There is no way to determine what portion of the consulting fees went directly to the co-founders as their compensation for Lincoln Project work or whether they paid one another, according to finance experts. Super PACs are structured this way by design craziness ladies and gentlemen as we're looking at not only a corrupt organization that the media likes to run away with their lies and their uh their political stunts uh but might be very corrupt just another money laundering scheme just another way for these rhinos to get rich uh could they be grifter republicans maybe i don't know but either way guys that's the report for today, the C report. There you go. I hope you enjoyed it. Just uh, talking a little bit about some of these uh, uh, rascally uh, <clears throat> liars and propagandists and the things that they try and get away with in our country and brainwashing and lying to the dull-minded Americans who will go ahead and believe them forever and until a day. Thank you for joining us on this Friday afternoon, early edition of the Sea Report. I hope you guys have a great Friday. Uh, we'll be back on Monday with more Sea Report and more news as ever and as always. Uh, and uh, we will be back later on tonight here at Mr. CTV for a brand new episode of Mr. C in the Dark. It's been a while. Uh, and we'll be back in the saddle with that, ladies and gentlemen. Again, if you are joining us over at 
any of the platforms you're streaming on. Uh, thank you all, all again for being part of the audience live here today. If you want to catch a replay, uh, well, check us out on any of the platforms that you like to watch and listen to and observe. Otherwise, I would again encourage you guys to uh, look for us over at our podcast, anchor.fm slash to see report. We'll have this episode up and available uh, soon, probably within the hour for anyone that wants to listen to us and uh, hear today's report, um, or just look for us on your favorite podcast player. That is the C Report, and uh, you can subscribe for free and catch us anytime, any day, any hour that is convenient for you. And of course, it helps out. Uh, it helps out the uh, show and the broadcast, the channel, anytime you listen to us over there. Otherwise, thank you for your donations. We had a few donations coming in today. Doreen Mert gifting the can, Reggie V gifting a cookie over there at um, uh, Peel.net and Foxel.app. Appreciate your donations for all the hard work we do here. Uh, I might not make it look hard, but eh, it's not hard, you know, uh, just, just a little bit of digging. Uh, thanks you all for being in the uh, being in the audience. We had Casual GG, Love Warns, Michael Hill, Reggie V, Empress Speech to you, uh, D Patriot seventeen seventy six, Kiz and Doreen Merck, as well as those of you out and abroad over at Twitch, Clout Hub, or YouTube today. We're also live at D Live and Trovo. Thank you all for joining us. We'll see you next time. And until then, ladies and gentlemen, you guys have a great evening. Be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. We will see you next time.